We're going to be speaking today from a verse of scripture that is often misused. Often misused. You see, I got to get it over here. My, 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 paper, my paper Bible. Ooh. See, these, this, this is the scriptures. These are the scriptures. Okay? You have to understand that these scriptures were simply translated by men. The translations were not inspired. Okay? They did the best they can. I remember studying out the New American Standard Bible. I think it had like 200 contributors from various theological seminaries. Princeton, Dallas, Wheaton, all over. And you know, with their translations, they brought their filter. Mm -hmm. They're never going to translate something from a word that's going to be contrary to their filter. Because then they would change. And they were set in their ways. So now this is the scriptures. And, and we are taught, and we are told by Paul, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and this is something that I, 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 be honest with you, I did not do for the first 35 years of my Christianity. First 35 years of my Christianity, I depended upon the preacher. And I thought what the preacher was preaching was the truth. After all, he was a preacher. You know, I didn't realize that just because he's a preacher, that didn't mean he didn't have a filter that might not have been, you know, correct. And that didn't necessarily mean that he was doing what we're all supposed to be doing when we look at the scriptures. And that is to rightly divide. Rightly divide, a straight cut, law from grace. And when we don't understand that, we're going to get blindsided over and over and over again from religion and from mixture and from legalism. You know, many don't, don't understand this, okay? That New Testament, okay? That New Testament, New Testament does not equal New Covenant. It doesn't. And for many a year, the two covenants were intermingling with each other. So this is why the Apostle Paul came and taught us how we have to rightly divide, straight cut. And that becomes challenging to a lot of Christians, a lot of believers, because the Bible is true from cover to cover. Yes, it is. But we have to rightly divide what truth is for us. And that's why I teach what I believe are right filters. If you're reading something from the scriptures that doesn't reinforce the fact that we are, we can, and we have, then it's wrongly translated. Because through Jesus Christ, we are, we have, and we can. And so that's a filter that you should have that it rings, that, that bells, you know, should be sounding when you're reading something that's contrary to the fact that you are, you have, and you can. Or if you're listening to a message that tells you you're not, you don't have, and you can't yet. Or 
or anything that tells you you need to do or you must do rather than he has done it all. And by faith in him, we qualify for Amen. everything. Is that for a high five? Okay. Oh, yeah, there we definitely. Go. He has qualified us to qualify. And so here's one of these, one of these challenging verses. Not to me. Not to me. Especially when you, divi- when you divide it and when you dive in and you find out the truth of what it's saying. But uh, I titled this, He Who Began question mark. He who began a good work in you. And it's taken from Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. And I hope this makes sense as we go on. And it's, uh, it's, a, funny, it's a funny thing because there are certain people that, you know, I'll follow and, uh, you know, I'll read their writings. Some of them profess to be, you know, new covenant grace believers. And it's funny that when he was teaching from this verse, he taught grace. We already are. We already can. We already have. He taught that this verse proves, it proves that we're not yet complete. Hmm. Bells go off. I know that's not right. So Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, and we're going to find out what this... What this really means when we rightly divide it, Nina, it's going to excite you. It's going to excite you. Do you understand? I'm going to just... Complete is a word. Do you know you can find complete all throughout the New Testament? But do you know this complete is totally different from this complete? They have two totally different meanings. And if you don't rightly divide... You're going to miss it, and you're going to misunderstand. And so here it says, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hmm. That's very important. Will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Remember that, okay? Taking notes, write it. Complete it, day of Jesus Christ. Now, the word complete there means to bring to an end, to accomplish, to perfect, to execute. Now, that might lead one to believe in itself, well, it's not yet done until you begin to dive deeper and until you understand what's the day of Jesus Christ. Oh man, we're going to look at that. It's going to be beautiful. So are we perfected or are we not? Are we complete or are we not? I just want to let you know that when he uses the phrase the day of Jesus Christ, In the Greek, it can refer to or refers to like a 24-hour period, a revealing of a new day. It's dark, and then all of a sudden, it's daylight and the sun has arisen. Mm -hmm. 
So now when you understand that, you kind of can understand what it's talking about. When does the perfection become complete? When Jesus Christ is revealed. Where is Jesus Christ revealed? When we come to the mirror. I'm getting ahead of myself, because, but I want you to remember all these things. So another uh, portion of scripture I, had, I, I, I looked at, it said it this way. I possess an inward certainty about you, confident that he who is the, the initiator of the good work within you is also the one who executes its completeness as mirrored in Jesus Christ, who is the light of day. He is the fullness of time. That's very significant because he takes this, this takes the Greek and puts it in proper context, context where it says it becomes executed, right, to completeness when we're mirrored in Jesus Christ, who is the light of day. He is the fullness of time. So we're going to keep continuing, all right? Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. Here's that word complete. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So is Paul schizophrenic? Is he, is he saying he who began a good work, right? He will, he will complete it, or are we already complete? So in Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, are you, you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. That word complete means you are filled completely. You are well supplied. In fact, you are crammed with Jesus Christ. You're so complete. Now, when I think of the word cram, I think of my wife. When we're going away. I have to stand, I have to stand on that luggage. I have to stand on it with all, and then I have to get weights so she can get it closed enough to zipper it. And then we hope that that zipper doesn't rip or separate because it is crammed. Well, this word here is saying you are crammed with completeness. You are crammed with the fullness of Christ. NIV says, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Here's a, one scripture, right? You're going to be perfected, complete. Here it's saying you have been brought to fullness. He is the head of every power and authority. The New American Standard uh, version about Colossians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, and in him you have been made complete. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. You have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. So now we'll go back to Philippians. Verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints, that's you and I, in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. And I went back to that verse because it's, it has a powerful... Um, series of words there and it's in Jesus Christ it's in Christ Jesus and do you know if, if any man is born again he is immediately found in Christ Amen. instantaneously 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 it says therefore if any man be in Christ 
He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In Christ. In Christ. Do you know how many times in Christ is found in Pauline's epistles? Almost a hundred. In Christ, with Christ, through Christ. I think it's about 110 times. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21. Now, it is the Father who establishes us all together in Christ and anoints us. Acts chapter 17, 28. It is through him that we live and function and have our identity. We are complete in Christ. And whenever you read the word in Christ, okay, that word in is different. See, you just can't read the word in in the New Testament and believe that, you know, it all means the same thing because they don't. Some ins mean, you know, you're in, you're not out, okay? But, but this in specifically means a set position. Not just in, see? Because if you could go in, you can go out. You enter a room, you leave a room. But this word in Christ signifies in, in the Greek a permanent position. A permanent resting place. So at born again, when we're in Christed, that becomes our permanent position and our permanent resting place. Whew. Wow. This is kind of what happens. This is why I brought these here before, uh, today. All right? This, this guy right here, this big guy, hope this makes sense when you see it. This is, this is our, uh, our soul and body, Okay? And uh, I love these testing dolls. Oh, here it is. Here it is. That's our soul and body, right? And then this is our inner man. Can you see in the back? The inner man, scarred with sin. Sin nature. You know, that's why we sin. Sin nature. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? But now, when we become born again, got to get rid of him. He's gone. He's dead. And he's buried. And behold, God makes us brand new. <clears throat> brand new in his very image and likeness. The old man is gone. But now here's what it means to be in Christed. Here's Christ. And we're placed in Christ. And we're in Christed. So when the Father looks at us, Okay? He sees Christ. Wow. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. Awesome. And now this is what dwells in our mortal body. So once we are born again and born anew, we are in Christed. And we are perfect, and we are complete, and we are holy, and we are righteous. Period. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 tells us about body, soul, and spirit. In fact, it lists spirit first, spirit, soul, and body. It's our soul and body that obtains perfection, not our spirit. It's our soul and body that obtains completion. 
not our spirit. Right? But how? How does our soul and body become complete, become perfect, obtain perfection, obtain completion? All right? How? Through works? Never. No. Never. But it happens by believing God. Period. And when we believe God, He's free to complete His work in our mortal bodies. Now, how does He do that? Remember Philippians chapter 1, verse 6? Complete it, day of Christ. How does he complete it? Complete it, day of Christ. Remember, the day of Jesus Christ is a 24-hour period. It's the revealing, the new day, the revealing. So how does he obtain this completion in our life? How does our soul and our flesh obtain the perfection that our spirit is enjoying? The key is found in day of Jesus Christ because it parallels Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 but we all with an open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory by the Holy Spirit in the Passion Translation it says we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Holy Spirit, from the Lord. And so when you look back at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, this is saying... Be confident of this very fact. Be confident of this very thing. That he who has completed you is going to bring about that perfection in your soul and in your flesh. How? By coming to the mirror and beholding the image of Jesus Christ. Just beholding it. And when you see that image and recognize that that's now your new born-again inner man, you will be transfigured into that image in your soul and in your flesh. And it will be done by the Holy Spirit and by simply by your believing. Amen. So now, I hope that, wow, this is only a 20-minute message. That's all messages have to be, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I hope you understand that, that God the Father does not have to complete a work in us. He doesn't have to complete a righteousness in us. In us. He doesn't have to complete a holiness in us. He doesn't have to, you know, complete sanctification in us. We are already. Now, what he wants us to do is realize it. And the way we realize it is by beholding in an image the word of God, the glory of Jesus Christ, realizing that we're looking at ourselves, believe that, and watch the Holy Spirit turn us into that very image. So, that's rightly dividing, and I hope if you ever hear anybody preach that message, a message from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you'll fully well know what it means. Father, we thank you that in Jesus Christ, we are complete. 
We are perfect. In fact, we are so blessed we are crammed with those blessings. And it's not for any good work that we have done or can do, but by simply believing in Jesus Christ. We give you all praise, honor, and glory. Amen.